Welcome to an inspirational teaching by Pastor Victor DeMonte, the Senior Pastor of Adonai Church, Bangalore. We hope you enjoy this teaching. This morning, I'm going to share about God's heart for restoration. When we look at the nation of Israel at the previous years, and you would notice that time and again, they would go into a place of apostasy, a time of backsliding a time where they would rebel against God, and they would be deliberate in their disobedience towards God. But God, in Jeremiah chapter 3, uses this prophet Jeremiah to call out their sin and wickedness so that they could repent and have an opportunity for God to restore them. As we go through some of the key verses that indicate the condition of the people who lived at that time, Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 2. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. Where have you not leaned with men? By the road you have sat for them like an Arabian in the wilderness. And you have polluted the land with your harlotries trees and your wickedness. So you can imagine the sexual sin, the perversion, and morality prevailing in the land. That it says there, you have polluted the land. You defiled the land by your wickedness. Verse 3, Therefore the showers have been withheld, and there has been no latter rain. You have had a harlot's head and refused to be ashamed. Now there is, there is a place of hardness of heart. You can get so conditioned to sinning that you don't even sense the shame of what you do. This is the state of the nation of Israel. In verse 9, so it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land, again defiled the land, and committed adultery with stones and trees. So not only they indulged in sexual immorality, they also indulged in spiritual immorality. They committed adultery with stones and trees, not literally, but as idols, they worshipped and they were unfaithful to the God who brought them out from a place of slavery and bondage. And then God gives them an opportunity to repent. In all of this, you don't see God giving up on his people. And that's the heart. God is looking always for opportunities of restoration. And he says in verse 14, Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. So what is God saying? I made a covenant with you. And this covenant is an unbreakable covenant. It's a covenant of love. It's a covenant of restoration. It's a covenant of God's forgiveness and mercy. Today, we celebrate, we live in the good of that covenant that God has made towards you and me. And if they only heeded to the words of this Jeremiah, of the prophet, God is saying in verse 15, I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God's way of restoration is raising up shepherds, shepherds according to God's heart, who will feed the people, the sheep is talking about the people, with knowledge and understanding. Now, you see the heart of God in Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 1. God tells Jeremiah, 
go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search through her squares, if you can find one person, how many? How many? One person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive the city. In our church, do you ever know that your life plays a crucial role in what God does in this nation? You believe that? You know, we go through life thinking, oh, we are just an ordinary, insignificant person, and we're living, uh, you know, this life with do's and don'ts. Hey, it's far bigger than your do's and don'ts. And God is saying, and this is not the first time we see this in the Bible. You know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. God said, if there are five people, I will save a nation. Church, we are the hope for this nation. Your salvation, you living a righteous life, attracts the mercy of God, attracts the goodness of God. It brings hope to a nation. It brings hope to, to your community. And God is saying this to them. Go up and down the street. If you find one righteous man, one righteous man who lives honestly, seeks the truth, I will forgive the city. You see the heart of God in all of this. In the way I understand the heart of God, I look as if God is looking for an excuse in order to show mercy to his people. Give me one, and I will forgive an entire city. Now, the shepherds of those days refer, that God is referring to are spiritual shepherds, which are known as pastors and leaders today. And God is saying, if there is a righteous man, and if there is repentance in the city, God's gift was to raise up shepherds, spiritual shepherds, spiritual pastors and leaders so that they will pave the way for restoration of God in the life of a city or a nation. There are two qualities that God is looking for, what God will, will, will do in the heart of a shepherd. One, they will have a heart to restore people. And two, they will feed the sheep, they will feed people with the word of God, through knowledge and understanding, so that they will be nourished and strengthened rather than being condemned and toned down. And I feel it's relevant that we pray for pastors and leaders that God will raise them up as men and women who will have the heart of God for the nation, a heart of restoration. And I believe that even as Bunkers is, is feeling this sense of call upon his life, May God begin to work on his heart. May God begin to work in all of our hearts. Even as a church, may God raise our shepherds according to his own heart. A heart of restoration. You know the difference between uh, knowledge and understanding. I'm not going to get too uh, deviated with this, but knowledge is information. Sunday after Sunday, you get knowledge. What you do with knowledge is called wisdom. And when you apply wisdom to knowledge, that's when you have understanding. And God is saying, he will give you shepherds who will instruct you, who would feed you, who would nourish you with just not information, but also with understanding. Hey, it works. 
I don't know if there's anyone sitting here this morning who thinks, hey, the Bible, you know, you can't believe anything, everything in the Bible, and I don't know whether it'll work for me. Hey, that's rubbish. The Word works. God is alive and He's active. And we see the demonstration, what God can do if we only allow Him. God's heart to raise up spiritual leaders and shepherds is so that there will be the hope of restoration for the nation. Look at what God promises to them in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. In those days, which days? When God raises up shepherds. In those days, in the days when people turn back to him. When your numbers have increased greatly in the land, declares the Lord, there's been a revival, there's been restoration. People will no longer say, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, it will never enter the minds or be remembered. It will not be missed, nor will another one be made. Now, we all know how important the ark of the covenant was in the Old Testament. Wherever they took the ark, God's presence was, and God gave them victory. Now God is saying, the restoration and the revival I will bring will be so intense, a number of people will come back to a relationship with God, and you will not need the ark. You will not even miss the ark. Now look what else it says. Verse 17, at that time, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord. Can you imagine from a place of sense apostasy, sense rebellion, there's been such a turn in the hearts of people that God says Jerusalem will be called the throne of God. What a dream to have for our city. One day, our city will be called the throne of the Lord. And all the nations shall be gathered to it. To the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their own evil hearts. No longer they will go according to their own desires. No longer they will walk in their own wickedness. Because the presence of God will be able to draw them back into a wonderful experience of knowing God in a tangible way. What I found interesting in this passage is that God's way of bringing restoration and revival to a nation begins first with the shepherds and the leaders of the city. Isn't that interesting? And God's saying, you repent and I will give you shepherds according to my own heart. I will give you shepherds that will feed you with knowledge and with understanding. And when that happens, there will be an increase. And when there's an increase, there will be an impact of his presence. We're not here to play church. There is something far more greater than what God has called us to do as a people belonging to Him. That's why God speaks so harshly. In fact, you must be wondering, why are you telling me this? This is actually a message for all of us as pastors and leaders and all of those who are listening to me. And God calls them out in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1, and says, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, not the ones that look after the physical sheep, spiritual shepherds. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds. Now, if someone says, Woe to you, that's trouble. That's not blessing. 
And so God is speaking to them, to the shepherds, spiritual shepherds, pastors, leaders, woe to them of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock, the spiritual people, the people spiritually? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. I found this very interesting. God was not upset with the shepherds feeding themselves. God was not upset that they were living in, in a place of luxury. He was upset because they didn't do their responsibility of feeding the, the flock and caring for it. And that is God's heart. He says, what do you when you don't do it? So what did God expect from, from his shepherds? It tells us it was four. This is what God calls shepherds to do. The weak you have not strengthened. You have not healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, brokenhearted, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered. Everyone say the word scattered. You know, when you see people scattered, it's because there's a lack of shepherding. People were scattered because there was no shepherd. People were going from pillar to post looking for hope, looking for some spiritual food and nourishment. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. You know, when people are scattered, the first thing, first symptom, you break your connection with God. Second, you isolate, you're isolated from the body of Christ. Whenever you feel disconnected from the body of Christ, you're down the pathway of destruction. And that's why the Bible says, and we will look at it as we go on, that when there is a lack of shepherds, good shepherds, godly shepherds, people are scattered, and the next thing, they are devoured, they, are, they become food for the beasts of the field. But look at what God's saying. God is so agitated, if I could use that word, because the people are living in a place of no direction, no purpose. They're scattered. They're not going anywhere. They're living in a sinful and an immoral way. And God is calling the shepherds, and the shepherds are not even taking what God is saying seriously. That God himself says an amazing promise, and I want us to look at that promise in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 11. Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. So what is God saying? You've not seen, you've not had godly shepherds. I myself will come as a shepherd. He says, I will come and I will search out for, the for my sheep. I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he's among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they've been scattered on a cloudy and dark day. Can you imagine this almighty, all-powerful God, all-compassionate, saying, I will come down and I will rescue the scattered sheep. I myself will do it. 
The Bible tells us that God did honor his promise. He became flesh, and we see that in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, dwelt among us, and he became our true shepherd. What's his name? What's his name? You see, Jesus himself came as a fulfillment of what God spoke through Ezekiel the prophet. And he declared in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd laid down, laid, lays down his life for the sheep. He modeled what spiritual leaders should be like. He says, I'm interested in the flock. I'm interested in the people. I am the good shepherd. You may have had shepherds of the past who exploited you, who took advantage of you, who ruined your reputation and governed you cruelly, but I am your good shepherd. Never take your eyes off him, our good shepherd. And he came to lay down his life for the sheep for you and me. We see during the ministry of Jesus on the earth in Matthew chapter 9 verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Teaching. Teaching is about feeding people. In the synagogue. Preaching the gospel is about seeking the lost. Calling the lost back to God. Preaching the gospel to, of the kingdom. Healing every sickness. Every disease among the people. I can't tell you as I stand up here. How much God desires your salvation. How much this good shepherd desires your healing. How much he desires your freedom. That's why he himself came as our good shepherd. Laying down his life so that you and I can have life. And we, we doubt the good shepherd. We question the intentions of the good shepherd. This is the fulfillment of what he intended right there in the Old Testament. Jesus, our good shepherd. Coming back into this world to do what the physical shepherds in the past didn't do. It says in verse 9, Chapter 9, verse 36 in the Gospel of Matthew. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered. Weary and scattered. Weary and scattered like sheep having, having no shepherd. If you're out there spiritually, physically, emotionally weary and scattered, it's time to come back to the shepherd. It's time to come back into your connection with God and his spiritual body. Don't stay out there and say, oh, I'm, I'm devoured. It's only a matter of time. The enemy will get you because that's a strategy. The Bible says that Jesus came with only one mission. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In John chapter 10, the whole chapter of John 10 highlights the importance and the significance of Jesus being our good shepherd. And he compares himself with a hireling. Now, we need to know there's a great difference between a hireling and a shepherd. And look at it, it's there in the Bible. What happened to the verses? Okay. It says, but a hireling, he who was not the shepherd. A hireling who is one who's paid to do a job. He's hired. 
in order to look after the sheep. And that's why I can't, I can't digest this whole thing of, you know, you have interviews and appoint pastors for a congregation. Hey, this is not a secular job. You appoint and you see what degree he has and, and that's the only degree you look at. You don't look at where he is in his life. You don't have hirelings. God wants to give us shepherds. And he says, look, but our hireling is he who, who is not, he's not a shepherd. One who does not own the sheep. There's no sense of ownership. There's no sense of responsibility of what is mine. And God is saying, they don't own the sheep. Sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and what's the word? And what's the word? There is a wolf. And the wolf will come among the flock. For what? To scatter. That's the nature of the wolf. Do you know his name? Who's he? He's the wolf. Verse 13. The hireling flees because he's a hireling and does not care about the sheep. You know, the wolf knows. We'll call him this morning as the wolf. Give him a name, a wolf, knows that as long as the sheep are together, he has very little chance to get, them, get to them. And that's why he scatters them before he destroys them. You ever wondered why Jesus left the 99 in an open country and went after that one scattered sheep? You understood why? How did he, how can God leave a 99 in an open country? Because Jesus knew, the good shepherd knew, when the 99 is together, no one can touch them. And that's the importance of us staying united together, committed together, one in purpose. When we are united together, the wolf has a little opportunity to scatter and to destroy. He says, a, a hireling will leave. He will run from the enemy. He will run when the wolf comes to attack or to fulfill its agenda among the sheep. But then Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. You see, when he sees the wolf, he doesn't run away from the wolf. He runs towards the wolf. And that's the heart of a good shepherd. He didn't back down from a fight. The good shepherd stood against every fierce attack the wolf may have against the sheep. Till his last breath on the cross, this good shepherd was fighting for you and me. Do you believe that? This good shepherd was fighting for you and me. That's why on the cross, in the midst of all the persecution, the torment, the shame, the abuse, hanging on the cross, what came out of his mouth was, oh God, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even at that point, he was fighting for us. In the next verse, Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. All packed in that one verse. You know what? Jesus cautioned us of the wolf. He's cautioned us of the thief. He says, I am your good shepherd. I am with you. But the wolf is coming. The wolf is coming. 
the wolf will try its best to attack. And some of us are so ignorant of the wolf coming. We think as long as Jesus is the, our good shepherd, everything will go rosy and, and good for us. No, there is a wolf. And even in his presence, even when he, the good shepherd, was among the people, he says, there's a wolf. There is a thief who will slip into the, into the flock with one agenda, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I hope the wolf has not got you by now. Some of us are not even aware of the wolf being around. We're not even aware of the thief being around. The greatest tragedy is that when the wolf strikes, we all focus our attention on the wolf rather than the good shepherd. I mean, oh, the wolf is coming. The wolf is fierce. The wolf is roaring and says, oh, you'll die. You are hopeless. That's the wolf speaking. When you see the wolf coming, the closer you get to the good shepherd because he's there to protect you. He's there to fight from you. When you take your attention from the good shepherd to the wolf, your focus is wrong. Fear grips you. You get intimidated and you start leaving the flock rather than sticking closer to the flock. That's why Jesus gave us an armor to protect us from the thief, to protect us from Satan and his kingdom. We are protected. He's given us an armor to stand protected from the works of the enemy. Because some of us think that as long as we have Jesus, the enemy cannot touch us. That's not biblical. As long as we have Jesus, we trust in him so that we can overcome the enemy. Because there's either a thief or a wolf there. And no thief gives you an appointment saying, I'm coming tomorrow at 5 o'clock. He comes unnoticed. He comes subtle. He can come through a relationship. He can come through any way. But we need to be discerning to find out if the thief is coming and getting the advantage over us. In John chapter 10, verse 4, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd the second time. I know my sheep. And I'm known by my own. And so those who are sheep, not only God knows you, you know him. God reveals himself to you. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And that's the shepherd's heart, to lay down his life. He puts the preference of the sheep above his. So if we're going to see revival and restoration in our land, we need to start praying seriously. God, raise up shepherds. Shepherds in this church and shepherds in the city that will carry your heart. A heart to see people's lives restored. People come to a place of knowing God like they've never known Him before. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible gives instructions again in the New Testament to pastors and leaders and spiritual shepherds. Shepherd the flock that is among you. And I like the word, even in the New Testament, God calls pastor shepherd. And I think we should change that. Stop calling pastors a shepherd. Not me, but eh? call me by my name. Okay. Shepherds. You know, it indicates something of Jesus being the good shepherd. And we have that picture of Jesus holding a lamb as a good shepherd. He says, shepherd the flock. Pastors are meant to shepherd the flock that is among them. 
exercising oversight, not under compulsion, not forcing people, but willingly. They should do it out of our heart, not, not imposed. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, not because you paid, not because of money, but eagerly, not domineering, not forcefully ruling over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd comes, can you see that? When the chief shepherd comes, when Jesus himself comes, you will receive the unfailing glory, crown of glory. And so not only we have Jesus, the chief shepherd, he calls us as his under-shepherds, shepherds that will, should carry his heart. And I feel there's a lot for us as a church, as a, as a nation, or even as the kingdom of God, to be re-envisioned of what it means to be a shepherd or the flock of God. And I felt this very provoking. But more than this being provoking in terms of my, my own responsibility, I looked at the heart of the good shepherd, the heart of the good shepherd. Thank you for listening to this message. To know more about us, please visit www.adonai.com. Hyphen Ministries.com.